Hello. Welcome to episode 10 now of the um, Unceptual Americans podcast. We're entering double digits now. Hell yeah, um, big one oh. Big one oh, yeah. And, um, and yeah, we're going to get get started. Uh, I'll, by the way, I'm Ethan Bird. And I'm Nick Donahue. And uh, we're, we're back here. And uh, we didn't say it already, did we? No, we didn't. Okay. Sorry, I, I just like have a momentary stroke. But um, aside from that, let's get started this episode. And um, we are uh, recording, not live, but we're recording here on uh, the night of Friday, the 17th of April, 2020. And we're reading about what happened, um, was it last week? No, I have no concept of time anymore. But, uh, it was last week. Yeah, it was last week. Or was, was it earlier it was, this week? It was, no, it was 8 April. It was 8 okay, April. Okay, so it was I remember last that. Week. It was Wednesday, last Wednesday. 8 April. Now, now I'm starting to come back. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, and it, it was Bernie all Sanders last dropped week. out. And now this week, this week though, Obama, former President Barack Obama, and uh, Bernie Sanders both endorsed uh, Democratic presumptive nominee, Joe Biden. The, and, yeah. And... Uh, we talking about what apparent. both of those endorsements mean. So, Nick, if you want to just get started. Well, I mean, like, on the one hand, um, first thing I got to say is people who are mad at Bernie Sanders for endorsing Joe Biden, um, I'm sorry, but did you forget what happened four years ago? Like, this is, and nothing that happened this week was unexpected. Um, which is part of the funny, which is part of the problem of like doing a segment on it is that like every, every part of this is from here on out, like this was the expected conclusion if things went this way, like the whole way along. I think there's a lot of people who, you know, in the back of their minds were really holding out hope that, you know, if Bernie loses the primary, you know, maybe he, maybe he pulls a little, you know, Ralph Nader or, Ross Perot and launches a third party bid, takes his name recognition, takes his people in the Democratic Party who are willing to go with him and he, and he leaves, you know, he, he, he'll be like Moses and he'll lead us into the desert to wander for 40 years before finding the promised land. Um, which I mean, like, yeah, cool. I don't know if that would have happened. Yeah. Honestly, kind of a fantasy, though. Yeah. It's a fantasy. And if that had happened, yeah, I'd stick with him. I'd, I'd go for that. Hell yeah. That's the best chance we have for, for actually like making a real third party. Um, but other than that, um, I mean, like we, Chris Hedges has said this on a number of occasions. Bernie told him to his face, quote, and like I'm quoting here. I don't want to be Ralph Nader. Like those are his words, like in private, because he saw what happened—the smear campaign that befell him. He saw that Ralph Nader had all this energy, all this momentum, and then only ended up with three percent of the vote. And and for what? To get slammed for a decade straight, and to be remembered in history as the guy who spoiled it for Al Gore and gave us George Bush, supposedly, which we know we know is not true. The the actual like research has been done, and that has been proven to be untrue. If the votes at the Supreme Court stopped from being counted, um, the Republicans more like it had actually stopped from being recounted. If they'd been fully recounted, it would have come out that those last few thousand votes would have Al Gore would have won by like a little over a thousand votes, and would have won Florida, and therefore won the Electoral College. Um, 
so and and we know that that is due to you know Republican chicanery that the recounting stopped and then to the Supreme Court. So that wasn't Ralph Nader's fault, but still it's been remembered in popular memory as Ralph Nader's fault. And I think Bernie, you know, would obviously get more than 3%. I think he knows that. I think he knows he would get more than 3% if he ran um, independent or third party in the general. And that's when you actually get into the actual spoiler problem. When you're, when you're hitting over 5%, you're making a serious difference here, especially for two, especially when you're talking about an incredibly weak a Democratic candidate like Joe Biden, which yeah. is mean, the I, other I big thing of all this. Uh, it's go also ahead, sorry. feasible. No, it's fine. It's feasible that if Bernie were to um, run against Joe Biden, run in the third party bid, like he could, he could um, finish still second to Trump, but ahead of Biden in many red states. And yeah. And if he defeated a serious bid and things went his way, I'm just talking about this one scenario. I'm not saying that's guaranteed to happen, but I just yeah, like I, th- I could see him coming second in Utah. I could see him coming second because I mean, like yeah, yeah the Democrats won. of the in Democrats North Dakota. of Utah, the Democrats of Utah are all concentrated in Salt Lake City, and yeah. they are super far to the left, actually. Like, like you'd be surprised, but um, and, but also like he'd probably West come in second. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, who knows? He could even maybe like, even Indiana. Yeah, he could have won. <laughs> who knows? He could have won a few states even. Who knows yeah. if he would have? Because um, you know he probably would have won Vermont. Um, yeah. Right away, yeah. like right off the bat. Maybe Hawaii. I, I, maybe Hawaii. Um, maybe California is a stretch, but if he had, that would have been huge. Um, yeah, there might be a stretch. He might have come in second. Um, to Biden, he probably would have come to second in Biden in California and New York yeah. probably. Like there's a lot of places where oh, he yeah, would yeah, come those, second. Those... He would have it would if he ran through pretty it would be immensely successful. But once again, I mean like we're talking fantasy. This is all imagined. This is this was yes. never going to happen. And it isn't happening. Well the but the but the truth is that if he ran third party and if he did if he did a good campaign and he didn't win, which is very unlikely, I think he it's very unlikely that he could handle elections with Trump. Um, yeah. Like, like, actually, like, not like, not like they're like Democrat yeah. fantasy that's saying, like, he's handing to Trump now by not campaigning, you know, 45 times instead of 39 times for Hillary Clinton or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's a fantasy. But like, if he, if he runs and wins, you know, in some states, like 30% of the vote, like, you're definitely, you're actually handing the election to Trump because of this. Yeah. And that's also because of the stupid system we have, but that is like the reality. And that's, the, yeah. that's, the, that's the thing. I mean, that's, that's why fundamentally Bernie's not. If, if Bernie thought Biden was really strong and could beat Trump even if he ran, or if we had a different system, definitely, like Bernie would, I think, want to run just to, to get the publicity. To yeah, like if we didn't have but, the electoral college problem. And maybe or, if, if, if the president, um, like the president huge, wasn't Trump. Yeah, if the president wasn't. Well, I think, yeah, Bernie's a guy who um, genuinely, really, really, really believes that Trump is the most dangerous president that he's ever seen, which um, is he worse than Biden? I'd say, yeah, I'd say there's a difference. I'd say it's largely a, I think the only real ideological difference between them is comes in. I think those really only come into play to create real policy differences on like trade where like Trump is clearly actually like 
a for re- he's much more of a for real protectionist than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was bluffing entirely on that. Um, but no, he actually did kill TPP and actually did uh, level tariffs on a whole bunch of countries. Although which the I was, USMCA is pretty similar to NAFTA in any respect. Yeah, there's that, but then like, you know, he throws in like the intellectual protection property stuff, the intellectual property protection stuff, which is kind of protectionist stuff that tends to get thrown into free trade agreements, but it's actually kind of pro corp. It's the same kind of protectionism as like 1860s industrial tariffs that were in favor of large industrial corporations back then it's you know protectionism is a complicated issue uh, you know you can have pro-labor and pro-business protectionism there, there are a variety of ways and pro-labor and pro-business free trade and not maybe yeah. free trade but there's some of those yeah, yeah, yeah like fairer trade like like i don't think bernie calls himself necessarily a, a protectionist i think he calls himself like pro-labor on the issue of trade which is like trade deals that protect labor are fine they don't, so I'm not going to support them right now. Yeah, uh, exactly. And the environment but like, too. But obviously, you know, I think on a large number of issues, the difference between Biden and Biden and Trump is a is a matter of degree in a large number of areas. But that's still a difference, and Trump is still a few degrees worse than Biden. Not that I I'm, think it's not even about them individually; it's about it, just the yeah. Fact it, that... I'm not saying go, and I'm not even saying like. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not trying to make excuses for Joe Biden, obviously. Well, I think the thing is, is that so the Democrats as a party would be in power if Biden's in office. Because I don't think Biden really matters that much as a person if he's in office because he's clearly yeah. very weak. The vice president. He didn't run think, on his actual beliefs that he has yeah. and has had his entire life, yeah. which, which are like, terrible, which are terrible. Like, let, let, like, let's be frank. Nice Joe Biden is, is a conservative. Yeah. He he is too. He like if he was alive, if he was a politician in the 1950s, he would be in like the far right John Bircher fringe of the Republican Party. Like Dwight Eisenhower would think he's nuts. Yes, yes, that, that's a good way to put it. Um, but like, as terrible as the Democratic Party is, and we cannot stress that enough, it's it's terrible. But mm-hmm. it's, I think on a, some on certain issues, it's significantly better than the Republican Party. And if those people are staffing the levels, the, the halls of government, if those people are, um, if those people are, are, are in the court system, et cetera, as advisors, those are, you know, better things than Trump and Republicans being in power. And I think this fantasy among certain people on the left, especially Jimmy Dore, that like Trump being in office was going to turn everyone like to be like total socialists. No, that, did not, that was never going to happen. <laughs> and that's that. And it's actually more likely, at least, at least I the think actual consequence is that once again, the American political spectrum has been shifted to the right. Exactly. And, and like, even Joe, Joe Biden is the nominee, a straight up conservative is the nominee of the democratic party. Like a guy who, who has who you know called himself a liberal for a while in his early career, but was largely pretending and spent his whole career making a name out of not being a liberal. And you know, like you can call yourself a moderate, quote unquote, all you want, but when you're going further to the right of not just like like the whole Democratic Party today is to the right of Nixon, like that's just a fact. But like. 
Joe Biden at the time was making a point of like going to the right of Reagan and going to the right of George H.W. Bush on certain issues. Like, yes. especially on like, you know, doing terrible things to black people and, brown and people. poor people and poor people, um, yeah, poor people, brown people, black people, doing terrible things to people of color and poor and working class people. That was his big like thing in the 80s and the early 90s, going to the right of all of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, but what I wanted to kind of shift into, um, first of all, this 538 article, that says, how much does Obama's Biden endorsement of Biden matter? On a scale of one to 10, I give it a four. Who is this fucker? It didn't even, oh, oh, it's a 538 chat. Oh, this, yeah. is, this is really cringe. Yeah. Oh, they just like this is, published this is how like they their, do a lot of their crap. This is it's not interesting or you know cons- yeah. or easy to read. It's just they all texted each other basically. And but just have um, their own shitty takes. But but Obama did endorse Bernie or did endorse not Bernie. Well, Obama did endorse Biden, and in his video he praised Bernie a lot. And there are rumors circulating that Obama convinced Bernie to drop out of the Democratic primary, which if true, I'm a bit disappointed actually. I mean, obviously. I'm not convinced of people like that are shitting on Bernie on Twitter. I think, like, it's not. I would have liked him to stay in the race longer, but the reality is, it's not like that difficult. Because what would be yeah. the point? And that and that's what I was gonna jump to earlier. Uh, but I real but I realized I might have been trying to jump to that too quickly, which is like, like the 5:38 headline was like, "How much does Obama's endorsement matter?" And my answer to that is, not at all. Because Obama literally didn't jump in till after Bernie endorsed Biden. Yeah, oh, Bernie endorsed Biden first. Like he—he's literally the last person to do it. Which, on the one hand, not I Michelle think Obama, conf- and not Warren. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, not Warren. Um, uh, when did Warren do it? Uh, after Obama. A few days ago, after, after Obama, yeah, I think so. Okay, um, but but basically, like Obama didn't bother to endorse his own vice president until literally everyone else had dropped out of the race, and that the last person against him endorsed him. <laughs> like that is a sign of for, that to me confirms my theory, which is that um, Obama has. He suffers from the Hirohito dilemma, as it's called, um, because back in, I think I've explained this before in a previous episode, but um, in the run-up to uh, World War II, because Japan, unbeknownst to most people, uh, is still a monarchy. Uh, the emperor is still technically, I don't think right now, I'm not sure about right now, but for a long time, the like including after World War II, the emperor still existed. Um, and um, the yeah, it's still there. Yes, gen- yes, they Hito, still have yeah. yeah. Um, the emperor Hirohito, um, who was the emperor during World War II, it's called Hirohito syndrome or Hirohito complex or the Hirohito dilemma, which is basically um, in according to Japanese religion, according to Shinto, the indigenous religion of Japan, the emperor is literally god on earth or a god on earth 
is yeah. is has supreme authority in the Japanese Empire before the Constitution, after the post-war Constitution was imposed. Um, the emperor Japan was an absolute monarchy and had all the trappings of you know theocracy from uh, a feudal monarchy. And the emperor, therefore, politically, theoretically, had supreme absolute authority. But all the real power over the institutions of Japan actually rested in the state council, the council of ministers and the leaders of the military um, and the, and, you know, whatever economic elites were sort of affiliated with those, uh, those sort of power centers in the military and in the bureaucracy. So Hirohito, the Hirohito dilemma was basically um, that Hirohito could go around pretending he had absolute authority as long as he never exercised it. Because if he exercised it, he ran the risk of, you know, the military or his ministers or somebody else with power in the country saying, no, you can't do that. We won't listen to you. Um, because there's always a genuine risk. Um, and Obama sort of is in that situation where he has this insanely high approval rating and supposedly, you know, if, if he ran again, he, he could win like a third term, like really easily, supposedly. Well, among but, the Democratic primary voters, maybe. Yeah, among, and among Democratic primary voters, too, he's particularly supposed to be popular. But the thing is, it's, obviously he can't run again, and he's now tried twice to use his endorsement or use his affiliation with a candidate, or well, really two candidates now, uh, Hillary and Biden, who have now won the nomination twice, both times, but not due to, in large part, really not due to the Obama glow that was supposedly around them. Like yeah. Hillary won because Obama went out of his way to clear the deck for her, as in like he literally went like one by one to all the candidates and told them, all the people who were considering running, especially Joe Biden, and said, don't run against her. And then obviously, you know, like the usual threats came out of the Clinton machine where like, you know, Bill would make calls and say like, listen, listen. I'm going to uh, show up in your district and uh, uh, give a speech at your primary challengers next uh, next rally. And if you don't endorse Hillary and there, and a bunch of people are like, Oh crap. Or I'll tell my friend, I'll tell Jeffrey to, uh, to not give you any donations. <laughs> um, like that, that was basically how they did it. And that's why, that's the main reason why she won because they had an intimidation system set up to keep everybody from running. And the one guy who was brave enough and popular enough to run against her just had no name. was just a guy who came was Bernie and he came out of nowhere and nobody knew who he was. So a bunch of people were just kind of like, yeah, it's a foregone conclusion that you know, this, this lady that nobody really likes and nobody really cares about is going to win. So um, there's no point in this. I'm just going to vote for her anyways. I don't know yeah. who this other guy is. And then this time around, it once again took a mix of intimidation and probably bribery to convince everybody to rally around Joe Biden. And, you know, bribery with positions, potential cabinet positions and future promises of power. Um, so, you know, once again, like 
it shows that Obama really the 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 love of him applies to him only as an individual, and that he cannot make and will other people into winning, and that other people cannot through simply bringing up their previous professional relationship to him cannot will themselves to victory. Yeah, and um, and what's notable also is that you know Biden in his um, in his video about endorsing or sorry Obama in his video about endorsing Biden, he said that Bernie shifts the conversation. He praised Bernie in a much in a myriad of ways, but he also said that you know we have to look forward, we can't look backwards, and that's actually interesting because oh, Biden's whole campaign and like all of his voters. I don't think Obama actually believes this, but he's saying this. It's like Biden's whole campaign is about people that just want to go back to Obama. That's essentially the that's essentially the question. Not, not, but not, not yeah, I, I don't think it's Obama specifically, but it's just about what we had, you know, a dignified man in the White House and we didn't have to turn on the TV and see the president tweeting mean things. Yeah. And it's like and this is another thing. Um Obama said that Biden like, what, 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 the Buttigieg yeah. line that really sums it up, which is you want a president that you don't have to hear about. Yeah. And or, or the signs at the women's march where people were putting like hashtag still with her referring to Hillary and they said like we could be at brunch right now. Like people who just like a huge number of liberals of Democrats in this country who basically have just decided that um, they don't care about the actual inner workings of politics past, you know, elections. And when it comes to elections, they just want a person they really like and that they really relate to on a personal level. Um, yes. To who they think, you know, represents them and makes them feel heard, uh, be president. Um, yeah. Which, and I... Like, it's it's shockingly not shockingly mostly like you know affluent white affluent white people who uh have that attitude uh um and the the real kind of dramatization you know um fetishization of politicians and like the way this is the turned to such a person like yeah exactly and like this kind of this whole thing they reduce politics to obama said the kind of leadership guided by knowledge and experience, honesty and humility, empathy and grace. That's the thing. They want to make these words. They twist these words to mean things that, that um, like any, no one can be against. Because you can't be yeah. against honesty. But Obama kept so many state secrets. He, Obama he, had the <laughs> least transparent presidential administration in the history of the country. Like that is a documented and, fact. Yeah, and, <laughs> like I mean, researchers have said there's there's actual like hard facts behind it to say behind saying that like he used the espionage act against more whistleblowers than any other president since the espionage act has been passed and obviously before then you know whistleblowers really weren't like a really big thing at the time it was a lot easier to do it um also like empathy you know like it went on the empathy thing, when pe- it's like the same thing people say, like, Joe Biden has, has empathy, which is this so weird, bizarre line that, does that, mean? that, that people say. Yeah, first off, what does that mean? Second, um, in addition to him, like, clearly lacking any sort of empathy in his interpersonal interactions on, like, a daily basis. Where, like, he literally said he has no empathy. 
Yeah, him literally saying, I have no empathy for for young people. Um, he, which, you know, is literally the opposite of being an empathetic human being. Um, he also, uh, you know, and also Biden, like, lacks grace, but I think that whole grace thing is really, the knowledge, experience, and grace part are really the three important, not even knowledge, just, like, experience, the the, the knowledge and experience thing, like take all that aside, just like grace, that's it. They just want a gracious person, like a person who's, who has graceful sort of movements and posture and, you know, sounds intelligent, who is well-educated. Like they just, they just want someone who's, you know, quote unquote smart or that's professional, why which is why the professional so managerial well class thing is so important to this. Yeah, Professional managerial class people who are, disproportionately white due to a variety of historical reasons that have to do with that, that you know have to do with uh you know the systematic impoverishment imposed on uh minority groups in this country so the professional managerial class make no mistake is predominantly white um but um they literally want somebody who reflects them by sounding and looking like a quote-unquote professional which is what Obama did, because he was a law because he was a lawyer. And that's why they liked Warren, because she was a law professor. That's why they like. Um, that's why they they liked. Uh, that's why they kind of liked Amy for a little bit, um, because you know she's a senator and she's a girl boss. But you know, no, nope, she's not that likable. Um, that's why they really? liked Hillary because she had quote because she had all the experience, all the qualifications. The most the qualified candidate in the history of this country, which was hilarious because that's just objectively not true. Um, she she literally was not the most qualified person ever. I mean, she was first lady of a state and then the country, and then she was a senator for like a, a couple of years. She did nothing, then became Secretary of State and spent and turned Libya into a slave market. Yeah, and turned yeah. She was a senator for a couple of years, and during that couple of years, besides doing not much, um, she managed to she she made yeah. She decided to vote for the Iraq War during that short time. And the only yeah. She managed to vote for all the terrible Bush administration things, and then managed, then became Secretary of State. Um, she ran a crappy presidential campaign, lost, was racist during it, managed to bully Obama into making her secretary of state, and then she repaid him by turning Libya into the fucking caliphate, into fucking Mad Max Fury Road. Um, yeah. So, no, she wasn't the most qualified pres- person to run for president. She was an incompetent, she's an incompetent disaster, as seen by her campaign. Um, but people didn't care about that because she had the appearance of experience because people have been hearing about her in the news in connection to government for 20 years. So people were like, oh, yeah, I know all about her. And it's really like a celebrity thing. And that's why it's all about grace. It has nothing to do with knowledge, experience, honesty, humility, or empathy. These people are all narcissists. These people are all, quite frankly, ignorant, hugely ignorant on a wide variety of things. Um, Obama was a state senator, was a senator for two years, was a state senator for like, what, a couple of terms before that? And then, uh, so he also wasn't all that experienced. Um, Joe Biden has a crap load of experience that he can no longer remember and lies that we cannot tell anymore if he's misremembering it or lying about it and uh, about his entire career and uh, all his experience, his whole career history is him collaborating with Republicans to do terrible things. He, 
none of these people are honest. None of them have humility. None of them have empathy for anybody other than themselves in, the, in their inner circles. Uh, they all just possess a certain grace, a certain pizzazz, a certain air of professionalism, of being a good manager. Yeah, um, and uh, I would like to point out that the, uh, the thing about knowledge, first of all, is that it only matters if you can remember it. And Joe Biden's memory is clearly, you know, rapidly deteriorating. Also, experience, you know, it has to, you know, this is a common, like, cliche point that people brought up, especially against Hillary, but, like, what kind of experience is it? Because if you've had decades of, you know, selling out to people, you know, managing managing the same like state that has done so many things wrong and just selling out the american selling out the american people like i said and just like doing everything wrong in every sense of the word like every single policy issue joe biden's been the wrong side of except for maybe gay marriage and that was like basically an accident the way that he pushed the bomb and this right yeah gay marriage. and that is that experience is not good experience you know if i've if i've been if i've ran a company for 30 years and that company has uh this is a common capitalist talking point but just listen to me you know is that if that company has you know failed to deliver for its stockholders then you're not going to be hired as a ceo even if you have all the experience but if you're a politician and you've sold out to those companies then you will be hired by these you know voters that are largely manipulated by the media and the establishment but the poli- they don't care with when the politicians play the people, but if the corporations don't perform for the stockholders and they, and it applies in professional life as well. If you're a doctor and you've had years of experience of malpractice suits and, you know, unless you have connections, which is an unfortunate part, you're probably not going to you know, keep your job. If you're a lawyer yeah. and you've lost every case, you're not going to get hired, you know, but if you're a politician who's done everything wrong, then all of a sudden, Oh, just so much experience. Yeah. And I, I think we should wrap this segment up. Yes. But, um, yes. Um, in addition, but I was just going to say, in addition to that, it's uh, it's definitely because a huge part of the Democratic Party just views the president as the ultimate manager. Yes. The ultimate, you know, boss man. The ultimate, like, or girl boss. Yeah, Hillary was the ultimate girl boss, and clearly nobody's enthusiastic for Joe Biden. And the reason why is because nobody can fit him into one of these things, because he, he, clearly he doesn't seem like he'd be a competent team leader or manager or whatever the hell these people think being president entails. Or competent anything. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be able to do anything. But uh, you know, they think yeah, you know, he's been in, he he's been there forever. He knows how to delegate to the right people, and that and that's all they think of it as, just like hiring a manager to like run a workplace to like run a small team within a business when because that's all a huge number of these people can relate to um like a certain number of white collar predominantly increasingly white collar and affluent white collar at that uh democratic voters that's all they can really relate to and that's all they can really articulate just a demand for a better manager better management yes and um i think that with that we will end this segment and we'll go on to the next one right. mm-hmm.